leading us in worship this morning. You know, I want to talk to you today about the power of praise. And in the next 30, 40 minutes or so, we're just going to have a look at a few things that the Bible says. You know, one of the frustrating things when you study the Bible and you're preparing a message and you're going to speak is not what to say, it's what to leave out. There's always so much to say on a topic. You could speak for hours and hours and hours on every subject. So if you have a Bible, and uh, hopefully you have got a Bible, why come to church without a Bible? It's like footballers going to a football match without a football. You know, you're not going to get much done, are you? Let's start by looking at something that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21 and verse 16. And he said unto them, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye not read, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Wow. Jesus is saying to us, Have we perfected praise? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. We can get into a state where our praise is Perfect. We can praise God perfectly. But you know, Jesus here was quoting from the Old Testament. And he was actually quoting from the Psalms. So let's go to Psalm 2. And I make no apologies for going into the Scriptures and reading them. You know, there's so much in the Bible that we need to check. You know, we need to be a little bit like the Berean Christians. They search the Word daily to see if these things were so. So read along with me. Psalm 2, excuse me, Psalm 8 and verse 2. Psalm 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength. Now isn't that interesting? Jesus said, perfected praise. And yet here it says, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength. See, what Jesus is saying to us is that praise is strength. Yeah, the amount of the amount of faith that we have, you know, according to Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven, when we've been perfected in the faith, we will praise God, we will give him thanks. That's what it says. So we can see the measure of our faith is in the level of our praise. Do we praise God when things go wrong? Do we praise God? When things, when we're having a bad day, well, we'll have a look at some scriptures about that in a minute. But let's just carry on with uh, Psalm 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. You see that? The Bible is telling us here that praise stills or stops the devil. If we want to stop the devil, we need to stop praising God and start praising and start praising and start praising. In fact, we need to have a lifestyle of praise that we wake up in the morning, we praise God. Praise God that we've had a bed to sleep in, that we've got breakfast. We need to praise him when we get in the shower and so on and so forth. We need to be living a lifestyle of praise. It stills the avenger. It's wonderful. Praise is like the devil's kryptonite. You know, when you, when you see Superman and kryptonite comes, Superman just stops. He's powerless. He can't do anything. 
And this is what this verse is saying. When we praise God, that power of praise just comes down and stops the devil in his tracks. You know, the devil desires praise. He wants praise. Turn with me to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 14. And I'm going to get excited in this. You know, it's difficult sometimes not to get excited when, when you're preaching something that God has shown you. But in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 to 14, it says, How how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down uh, to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend to the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. You see that all of these I wills, there's five I wills that the devil is saying here, I will be like God. Well, God and God only receives worship. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him those three times, the last thing the devil said is to bow down and worship him. And Jesus said, no, praise is reserved for God alone. And then what happened? The devil went. Why? Because praise is like kryptonite to the devil. It stops him. You know, but praise, on the other hand, just welcomes God in to our presence. You know, the... When we are full of praise, the devil can't crush us. When we are full of praise, because the devil just won't go when we're praising God. I've got a couple of cans of Coke here. One's full. You know, this is full of Coke. I'm trying to squeeze it. Nothing's happening. Try as I might. Now, there could be a few guys stronger than me here, but I'm trying to crush this. Nothing. Because it's full. This one is empty. You know, what happens? This can gets crushed. Why? It's empty. It's empty. Are you empty of praise? Are you full of praise? Now, it's important to pray. But it's also important to praise. And we need to know the difference when to pray and when to praise. There's times to pray and there's time to praise. And the Holy Spirit will tell us the difference when we're to pray and when we're to praise. Going to have a look at some scriptures now in the Bible where things were going bad and yet God's people praised him. Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 5. Well, this actually, this is, this is quite a good one, this one to start with. Second Chronicles chapter 5, just to give you an overview, this is the time of the dedication of Solomon's temple. So the temple had just been built in Jerusalem, and the priests were here now to praise God. So in Second Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 13, it says, It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one, and we're going to come back to that later, were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason. By reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Do you see that? 
the power of God came down so that the priests fell. They fell in the presence of God. Why? You see, when the praises went up, the blessings came down. And this was the blessing of the presence of God to bless his people. 120 priests praising God with one voice and God appeared in their midst and they couldn't stand because the power of the presence of God was right in their midst. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't we like to experience a praise meeting like that when the glory of God just comes down and we can't do anything And of course, the devil can't be present because he can't stand when we praise God. You see, we need to be praising God at all times. Psalm 34 and verse 1 tells us to praise God at all times. In the good, in the bad, in the indifferent, when things are going kind of right, kind of not right. Let's go over to chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles. I love this. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And here, again, just to set the scene for you. Uh, there's King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and his people. But there's three armies coming against them. Three armies are coming against Jehoshaphat. Now, at first, when we read through this chapter, he's a little bit fearful. And then he kind of proclaims a fast. And they start praising God, and God tells them what to do. And we pick up this story in verse 20 of Second Chronicles 20. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall ye be established. Believe his prophets. So shall ye prosper. Believe the word of the prophets, which was what? Which was to praise God. And we see in verse 22... When they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Isn't that wonderful? Notice, only as soon as they began to praise did God set ambushes. And these three armies somehow, not explained, but somehow these three armies started attacking each other and destroyed each other. And Israel didn't have to fight. They didn't have to get a sword out or a spear or do anything. Why? Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And this was the blessing of victory over the enemy. We see something similar in uh, Joshua chapter 6, don't we? The walls of Jericho. You know the story? They marched around 13 times over seven days. And on the 13th time, they shouted a praise unto God and then... The walls came down and they went into Jericho. You see, again, as the praises went up, the blessings came down. And this, again, was a blessing of victory against the enemies of God. We see in Job chapter 1. In Job chapter 1. Turn with me to Job chapter 1. Now, Job was having a pretty bad day here. In verses 13 to 20, everything was going wrong. This is very similar to Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 19, he was having a bad day. But everything was going wrong for Job. Everything was going wrong for Habakkuk. You know, we we read about um, family was dying and uh, all of the crops went, the animals went, the house was destroyed. And for Habakkuk, there was no uh, grapes in the field, nothing in the barns. Absolutely everything was gone. 
And in Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. I mean, we're not going to take the time to read everything that happened, but I'm sure if you're familiar with the Bible, you know this passage. And you know that everything that could go wrong, he lost his children, he lost his house, he lost his servants, he lost all the animals, he lost everything. Similarly, Habakkuk lost everything, and yet the praises still went up to God. Now, of course, we don't have grapes and vines and figs and all that sort of stuff and, you know, straw in the barn. But when you wake up in the morning and the washing machine doesn't work and the central heating is broken and the car won't start and the doctor's giving you a bad report, you're about to lose your job, what do we do? Do you moan and groan? Or do we get down on our knees and throw up our arms and start praising God? You know, when we praise God, the blessings come down. We know that Job received double didn't he? Job received double back. You read the end of the book of Job. He received double for everything he lost. Yeah, why? Because when the praises go up, the blessings of God come down. And this was restoration for Job and obviously Habakkuk the same. Let's have a look at something in the New Testament now about praising God in difficult times. Acts chapter 16. Again, I'm sure everyone, if you've read the Bible a couple of times, you're familiar with this. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were in the will of God. They had been directed to Philippi. And they were preaching the gospel. And because they were preaching the gospel, they'd been arrested. They'd been beaten. Their backs were bleeding. They were in stocks. They were chained. Blood dripping down, congealing. Everything was going wrong. And we pick this up. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. It says, And at midnight, the darkest hour when things can't get any blacker, when things can't get any worse, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. They weren't singing in a whisper. You know, this was a big prison. And they were praising God. If you really study this out, if you get your Greek books out and study this, you will see that they were in the inner chamber, which was reserved for the most severe of prisoners, kind of away from everything else. And yet their praises were so loud that everyone could hear them. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all of the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You see, when the praises went up, the blessings came down and that resulted in their freedom. You know, praise can set us free. If we start praising God and living a lifestyle of praise, it will set us free from many of the things, I believe, that have kept us bound or kept us oppressed or put down. We need to open our mouths and start praising God. Praise moves God. Praise puts God on the front line, as we've seen you know, a couple of times here. When the Israelites praised God, God moved ahead of them. You know, so we don't have to do things. We just have to praise and and trust God. I just think that's awesome. Psalm 150. Tom mentioned before Psalm 146. It's interesting. The last 
five psalms, the last five psalms from Psalm 146 to 150, all start and end with praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. They all start and they all end. Isn't that good that we should spend our day praising the Lord in the morning and praising the Lord when we go to bed at the start and at the end? We need to have this lifestyle of praising God. Now notice Psalm 150 and verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Then, interestingly, in verse 3 it says, Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Nothing there about voices. Voices come in in verse 6. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Now, we can praise God on drums and, and on cymbals and guitar and whatever else that we have. We are created to praise God. And isn't it interesting? Well, I think it's interesting that every instrument that we play is either played by touch or by breathing. You play the harp by touch. You play the piano by touch. You play the trumpet or the, the flute by breathing into it, don't you? By blowing into it. So it's our breath and our touch that praises God. Let everything, let's just have a look at the creation of Adam. Genesis chapter 2. We're going to have a little Hebrew lesson now. We're going to be looking at Hebrew, Greek, Latin. Real great education here, isn't it, from a guy that's got two O-levels to rub together. <laughs> Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 says this. Genesis 2 and 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. See, God formed Adam. The Hebrew word is yatsar. Now, yatsar, when you look at the Hebrew dictionary, it gives the example of a potter molding clay. Jeremiah speaks about the potter, you know. He is the potter, we are the clay. And we're molded. So, Adam was molded, formed, fashioned by the hand of God. And then it says, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That is the Hebrew word nafak. Nafak is an interesting word. It means to, to inflate, to infill with uh, Isn't that good? You see, Adam was created by the touch of God and by the breath of of God. Isaiah 43:21 says, "We are created to praise God." And yet every instrument we use is by touch and by breath, just as God created Adam. That means we are definitely created to praise him. God knew what he was doing when he created us. We're created to praise him. Isn't that wonderful? That we are created to praise him. And God gives us opportunity every morning, every evening, and throughout to praise him. Let's go over to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. 
I, I just love, this is, you know, often when I minister in different churches and stuff, I'll say, this is my favorite scripture, this is my favorite scripture, and, and I keep saying, oh, this is my favorite, at the time, but I've got to go back to this one all the time, because this is the first real scripture in Acts chapter 2, that, that on the day I was saved, you know, this scripture was real to me. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Isn't that interesting? They were in one accord. That word accord is an interesting Greek word. It's sort of a compound word made up of two Greek words. It's homothumadon. And homo in Greek means the same. And thumadon means to be breathing with a passion. Isn't that interesting? So they were breathing with the same passion. They were praising God, in other words, with one accord. Now, accord is also a musical term. Yeah? When you play a chord, I don't know if we can play a chord on the piano. You play something in C major or something. You play a chord on the piano, it sounds really good. Yeah, it does not sound good. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. Play that again. Now play a discord. Yeah, that doesn't sound good, does it? Yeah? Okay, we can start with that one. You can see the difference between a chord beautiful to the ear and a discord which is not good to listen to. We want that to stop. You know, the word chord and accord, here when it says they were in one accord. If you're reading this in Latin, the Latin would be accordo. And this word accordo means to be of one heart. Similar to the Greek, to be of one heart. The Latin word for heart is core, C-O-R. When we say something like the core of my being is the heart of my being. We have a cordial chat. It's a heart to heart. It's friendly. It's nice. So anything which is cordial, the core of your being, according, comes from the Latin word heart. So here it's quite clear, understanding the Greek and a little bit of Latin that we've looked at, you know, that when they were, the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord. They had a heart to praise God, and they were praising him from the heart. Isn't that wonderful? You know, apart from preaching the gospel and seeing people saved and healed, there's nothing I love more than getting all my books out. And we've just been arranging things, and I've got a couple of thousand books, and you know, Angela's been fed up with them everywhere, so she's got a new bookcase. I've got now three bookcases with about 2,000 books in, and there's still hundreds all over the place. And I love getting them out, the Hebrew, the Greek, and just studying and spending hours and hours and hours studying. And this is how I kind of taught myself all of these words. But I just love the passion of God's word. You know, it, it, it's so full. You know, the treasures of the Bible can only be found by those who really dig for them. Verse 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There came a sound from heaven. It's the Greek word echos, where we get our word echo from. An echo is a reflected sound. You can't have a reflected sound unless something is said first. Hello, 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 hello. 
Yes? That's an echo. So it says there came a reflected sound from how Reflected from what? We've just read in verse 1, they were all with one accord. Understanding the Greek means that they were singing from the heart. They were praising God from the heart. And God was reflecting back. Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And this time it was again the blessing of the presence of God. And it said there came the sound of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the house. You know, I remember the day I got saved. The day I got saved in a little church in Jerusalem. And that afternoon we went to Bethlehem. It's 30 odd years ago now, 36 years ago. I can still remember it as clear as now. And after seeing where Jesus was born, I went back to my room. And I was in Jerusalem. And I had to climb the stairs and I was given a Bible. I opened the Bible, page one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as I was reading it, I fell asleep. And there was a presence in my room. There was a wind blowing round and round in my room. And I knew it was God. And God spoke to me and the peace of God came upon me the very next morning. Now at this time, I'd been a Christian for 18 hours. You know, work started at six in the morning. I've been a Christian from noon the previous day. It's now 6 o'clock in the morning. I've experienced Acts chapter 2, verse 2 in my own room. And I went to share with the Christians who'd led me to the Lord. I said, look, you're not going to believe what's happened. And I told them. And they just gave me that knowing, you know that smug smile that Christians have when they know something that you don't? Uh, And they just took me to Acts chapter 2, verse 2. And they read that. And I said, it's real. The Bible's real. I said, yes, Paul, we know it's real. And he said, but I'm in Jerusalem and my bedroom is an upper room and there was a wind and it was God. Yes, Paul. You know, I'd been a Christian for 18 hours. But you know what? Somehow in my heart, I knew that one day God would use me to teach this book all around the world. Now, you may think, wow, that's crazy. You've been a Christian for 18 hours. The reality of this book and the experience I had of this book, I knew that that was special. Well, now, 36-something years later, I've, you know, God has been so good enabling me to go to, I don't know, 20-something countries in five continents preaching the gospel. You know, it's, it's tremendous because God is faithful to his word. So the reflected sound, the echo came because of the praises of God's people. And then it says... Verse 3, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. The fire of God fell after the praise. Why? Because when the praises go up, the blessings come down. I think some of you are getting this now. The blessings come down. This was the blessing of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Who wants the fire of God to fall in their lives? Wouldn't that be good? You know what? Fire doesn't fall on an empty altar. Fire doesn't fall on an empty altar. Turn with me to 1 Kings 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, you've got Elijah on Mount Carmel at showdown. You've got 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the grove. And then you've got Elijah. 850 to 1. Now, there'd been no rain for three and a half years. 
And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, you go first, you sort your altar out. And if your God is the true God, let him send fire down from heaven. All day they tried, nothing happened. And Elijah said, okay, it's my turn. And 1 Kings chapter 18, starting at, for the sake of time, we're just not going to read all of this now. But in verse 32 and, and verse 33, it says he took stones and built the altar. And then he took the wood and placed it. And then he cut the animal specifically and put it on the altar. You know, I wish I had time to go into this. We looked at this last year in our Tuesday morning Bible study, the significances of all these little details and, and how Elijah did exactly everything according to what God had told Moses to do when they were in the wilderness. And then we pick this up again in verse 37, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 37. And this, this is the prayer of Elijah. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God. See that? Hear me, that the people may know that thou art Lord. And the fire of God fell, we see in verse 38. Fire doesn't fall on an empty altar. There has to be something on the altar. But there has to be a heart attitude too. You see, Elijah said that the people may know that you are God. When I'm doing crusades in Africa and India and wherever, I pray that prayer, Lord, that the people may know that you are God, that Jesus is your son. Let the fire fall. Let there be miracles that the people may see and not just hear the glory of God. You know what? God always does. That's why the ministry is called Meeting with Miracles. We always see miracles on our crusades. Even when ambulances come, two ambulances come, people come out on stretchers and they're just laid in front of me. And the power of God falls and they get up off the stretchers or whatever happens. Why? Verse 37, that the people may know that you are God. If you want the fire of God so people think you're good, it's not going to happen. The fire of God isn't for you, it's for others to see God. And if that's your heart attitude, you'll see the fire of God fall. Then the fire of God fell. Hallelujah. That has to be a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15 says to bring a sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice we need to put on the altar of God is the sacrifice of praise. This is why the Apostle Paul said, Romans, Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What does that mean? We bring a sacrifice of praise. We need to bring a sacrifice of praise so that the fire of God will fall. Because when we're praising God, the blessings of God will come down to us. Psalm 38 and 19. Psalm excuse me, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 19 says that the living praise the Lord. That's why we've got to be a living sacrifice. Romans 12.1, the sacrifice of praise. We put that on the altar of God and the glory of God falls. Psalm 115, final scripture. Psalm 115. We're going to have a time of worship now. Guys, if you can come back and just lead us in a, a couple of songs. You know, it's no good just hearing teaching 
and not putting it into practice. Understanding the power of praise. We need to be praising God. Psalm 115 and verse 17 says, The dead do not praise the Lord. That's why we need to live in sacrifice. Neither they that go down in silence. You can't be silent and say, I'm praising God. According to the word of God, you need to be bringing a sacrifice of praise unto God. Because when the praises go up, the blessings of God come down. Whatever that you need as a blessing from God, praise him. Do what Job did. Do what Paul did. Do what Habakkuk did. Do what Silas did. Do what Jehoshaphat did. Do what we see many, many people in the scriptures do. Bring a sacrifice of praise. Be a living sacrifice. Present yourself to God. Praise him. And as the praises go up, the blessings of God will fall down upon his people. Hallelujah. Let's just spend a few minutes praising God. Amen. Thank you, guys.